This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, Do we like this movie? Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your other host, Javi. I can't think of anything for this one. <laughs> and uh, all right, this we are, we're talking about Halloween ends. Dude, all right, so this is the series. Like, it's one of the few series that you and I have been, like, this trilogy. Like, we've been covering it since the original one. So yeah. um, I we have gone through every, well, <clears throat> with the exception of 2020 we've gone almost every Halloween with one of the movies in this franchise like being covered on the show. Dang. I'm so sad that we will now continue this podcast without covering another (laughs) David Gordon Green Halloween movie. Right, because this is Halloween ends, so it's going to be the last one ever, I promise. But for realsies this time, guys. But no, like for real, for real, this is the last time But then at the same time, like I have heard that, that, that there's like possibility that the franchise continues but wasn't there a producer what... that owns the rights to this movie um malik akkad yeah i heard that he has like a clause where like where michael myers can't die ever and it just makes me think of when you're playing guns with you like it sounds terrible for, for <laughs> non-american audiences but for when you were kids and you're like i have a gun you're like i also have a gun pew pew you start shooting at each other and then you start making up powers for each other like no you can't shoot me this is my anti-bullet gun you know <laughs> And then, like, it feels like for Michael Myers, he just constantly has more and more plot armor, where he finally has evolved to the point where it's like, no, I have an anti-death feel. No. Okay, so that is actually his father, Mustafa Akkad, uh-huh. who, who put in the clause in Halloween H2O that he could not die. And apparently it wasn't discovered by Jamie Lee Curtis and people who were making that movie until like into production. Mm-hmm. And um, the only, it, it, like Jamie Lee literally, I think almost walked away from the project um, because of that clause. So I think her thing was, uh, was okay, well, we're just going to make it like, this is the last one because I don't want to have to come back and do it again. <laughs> and then next thing you know, Fair. now she comes back to do four more movies after that. So. She then did it four more times. <laughs> um, but, but this one uh, is but her, reals. But her son Malik is the guy who, like you know, has now retained the rights. He worked with Rob Zombie on the Rob Zombie ones, the reboots, and uh, he's also worked on this uh, reboot trilogy with David Gordon Green. So I feel like Malik's in, in involvement with this series has been more of like working with the auteurs <laughs> or working with the filmmakers who are bringing this vision to life i don't okay. know yeah i don't know i don't want to call rob zombie an auteur i'm gonna get yelled at by the internet yeah apparently the internet says we owe rob zombie an apology but i've seen the monsters 
I will never apologize to Rob Zombie for anything. Hey, but you know what? Funny enough, this movie does, in some ways, it kind of does bring me to the Rob Zombie 2009 Halloween 2. (laughs) Why would you apologize? He's your favorite, like, director for (laughs) Halloween, remember? Yeah, yeah, in 2007, I I swear, I thought his movie was better than John Carpenter's. (laughs) It is embarrassing. (laughs) And the worst part is you recorded your worst take on, like, our podcast. (laughs) It's not even like what I think of Last Jedi. It's 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 what I think of Rob Zombie's Halloween. That's probably the worst thing I've said on this show. Yeah, because there are dozens of you that believe Last Jedi is good, and I like yeah. salute your your thousands, audacity. thousands and thousands, dozens, thousands. It's a very like, all right, quick ending joke. of a franchise. Yeah, wrapping up a franchise is tricky, right? We've (laughs) we've done this in one other series, I think, or a couple other series, two two series, I think. You and I have done this, and one of them was Avengers Endgame, and the other one was the Rise of Skywalker at the end of the Star Wars series. So, it's it's tricky to end a franchise and. I did have to think a little bit of Rise of Skywalker when I was watching this, and I'll get into it as to why that is <laughs> when we start talking about the story of this movie. Look, ending franchises in a satisfying way where you've told the story and the narrative you need to, and satisfy fans, sometimes you only get one or the other. <laughs> mm. and, or sometimes you can be like this movie where you get neither. um the other movie which we have not covered on this podcast yet uh but another movie that does end the franchise is uh that that you know i feel like it's one of those movies that i didn't know how to feel about it then and it's actually i like it better now than i did when i first saw it dark knight rises i the end of chris nolan's batman trilogy is one of those things that I saw all the holes in it and poked all the holes in it when it first came out. But now coming back to it like a decade later, I'm like, yeah, it's actually pretty good. So I don't know how this is going to be weird. And maybe I'm not going to come up with what I feel about it, like until we're done with this episode. But I don't know exactly how I feel about this. I don't know if I think it's bad and I don't know if I think it's good. This is going to be an interesting movie because I'm very much in the same camp. It's going to, I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping at one point it's going to be like uh, Kong versus Godzilla, where I make an opinion and then I immediately turn on it halfway through the <laughs> podcast recording. <laughs> and I realize I either love or hate this movie. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I guess what was your experience uh, with this film? Well, one of the wonderful things that this movie does, which is the same thing that Halloween Kills did last year, is instead of only going to theaters, like, you know, theaters, shockingly enough, are making a comeback in 2022. Uh, you know, like almost everything is back in theaters, which, you know, during the pandemic, like just a year ago, year and a half ago, I kind of thought we were watching the death of movie theaters. And who knows, like you we may still full of hot wrong days. Well, we may. Who knows? I mean, it's the, it, <laughs> the, the we're not you know, we don't know yet if, if the pandemic has killed theaters or not. But we do know it's that a... at least studios are trying to release movies and theaters again now that, you know, 
we are in the later stages of the pandemic. Nah, dude, Rob DeSantis said it. We already beat COVID. But... <laughs> um, so, so this movie uh, went directly to Peacock and, and in theaters, just like Halloween uh, Kills did. So obviously I just watched it on television because it's just much easier for me to do that. I don't have to worry about getting a sitter and, uh, you know, getting to horror movies is not the easiest endeavor because no one else in my family likes watching horror movies. So yeah, man, nothing better than just locking your kid in the closet and then <laughs> just watching horror movies all night. <laughs> that won't traumatize nobody. Uh, so yeah, so I watched this movie at home and of course I think, I've talked about this before and I'll mention it again. I think the convenience of being able to watch a movie at home typically makes me less harsh on the movies that we've reviewed in the show. Like anytime that we, you and I have had to review movies that either came to HBO max or Peacock or Disney plus, I feel like, I feel like I'm a lot softer on them than I would be. So um, not me. I'm harder on them. I'm like, you You have everything working for you. This better be fucking amazing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, we, the interesting thing uh, leading up into this movie was that I kind of had an idea of what the movie was going to be about. Like, I knew through the Internet that they were going to introduce a new character in this. And the new character was going to kind of be the center focus of it with Michael Myers taking more of a backseat. So, oh, you so you were prepared for that. Bullshit. I was prepared for this. So okay. I, I think it's probably why, like, I'm not negative on it. Like I and I figured a lot of people would be negative on it. Like mm-hmm. I will say this. I appreciate when a movie takes a swing and mm-hmm. tries something that they've never tried before. So <laughs> they definitely tried something. I'll give them that. And funny enough, like I was very confused as to, but I just didn't know how it was all going to play together. Right. Because, you know, like rewatching Halloween kills, I watched it the day before Halloween ends came out. I gotta say this, I've I have not seen it since originally I saw it last year, uh, but one thing I did do, which I completely forgot about, was I think in December or January after Halloween Kills came out, there was an extended cut uh, that, that came out on, you know, uh, video, and I bought the extended cut. <laughs> so the version that I watched before we watched Halloween Ends was the extended cut. What's the difference I, between the extended cut and the right and the theatrical cut? Um, it's longer. Uh, not not. <laughs> I never would have guessed. Not a lot longer, but um, and I do feel like it's. I do think it's a little better. Um, Is there more evil dice tonight? Yeah, it's it's. I feel like it, it kind of mutes some of the cringy dialogue. Like there's a little bit less of it. Uh-huh. but uh but yeah it's 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 still it's still the movie it is right mm-hmm. uh, but i have to say i probably kind of like that movie more than i remembered i more than i thought i would <laughs> and um i just what i was thinking was huh i wonder i wonder how all the ending of this is going to play into this movie because mm-hmm. you know they've already tried the thing where Lori tries to kill him and it doesn't work 
in the basement. Then the second movie, you know, you would have thought that the entire town is going to murder him. And then at the end of the second movie, once um, once Laurie's daughter is murdered, um, there is I don't know if this is in the original cut, but there is a scene where uh, where Laurie calls Karen and Michael picks up the phone and the only reason why you know it's michael is because you hear the breathing on the phone and that's where laurie is saying that she's going to come and kill him and that's the end of that movie no that is not in the original cut okay well that's the end of the extended cut and um wish (laughs) i love it when it ends with the vow of venganza so i think there's probably a chance that when this movie comes out in theaters we'll probably see a longer version of it because I can't think that there isn't a longer cut of this movie that exists somewhere. Really? Yeah. No, I think this is the exact cut they wanted out. <laughs> um, but anyway, funny enough, all right, so so, do you want to just get into the movie, or do you want to uh, break down anything else of your thoughts before we start talking about the story? Hey, Harvey, what was your experience with this movie? Oh, I don't know, Harvey. Let me ask, let me just tell you. Well, that's what I'm asking you. <laughs> we have a formula, you dick. <laughs> oh man, no. Uh, this movie. What was my experience with this movie? Anything else I want to add on? I watch it at home. I use your, I use your peacock. I, maybe I shouldn't admit that anymore. <laughs> yeah, you probably shouldn't. <laughs> because... Or else the suits at Universal are going to come and confiscate your computer. Come on, bring it. It's not like I have it on a bunch of other devices you can't possibly track. You're going to send Michael Myers to your house. Oh, no. <laughs> to, to capture you. <laughs> <laughs> Why would he capture me? I don't know, but you'll have to like wrestle him like in your house. <laughs> Ooh, greased up, greased up big meaty man fight. I'm down. <laughs> it's gonna be like that scene where <laughs> I forgot which uh, Jason movie it was where he fought the Olympic boxer and then killed him. Or, you know, the scene in this movie where Corey and Michael Myers will literally wrestle in the sewer. <laughs> Or literally when Busta Rhymes karate kicks Michael through a burning window. Listen, this series has taken has taken quite some swings. Um, but nothing in this series, nothing in this movie will be anywhere near as bad as Halloween Resurrection. There are like there are boundaries of poor taste and shitty movie making that even this movie will not cross. And I'm going to say that's Halloween 5, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the Halloween Resurrection. Uh, and maybe even Rob Zombie's Halloween 1. <laughs> because that movie, is specifically the version of it where, you know, Michael escapes due to a rape inside of Smith's Grove, mm-hmm. that movie has only aged even more horribly in the years since yeah it's a tough watch (laughs) like i I don't think i could in good conscience uh recommend that movie to anyone and at this point the franchise has moved so far beyond rob zombie that there's no reason to go back anymore no go back just for the amazing lines like (laughs) i'm gonna skull fuck you or or i'll I'll give malcolm mcdowell his due malcolm mcdowell did fantastic but yeah he did but everything else in that movie trash 
I almost wish he could come back and be like rebooted Loomis, but <laughs> nothing else. Just crazy. I shot him six times. <laughs> He's in my brain. Even though know. the guy that they got who was, you know, who who played faux Loomis in the last one was actually pretty good. Man, I don't want fake Loomis. I want <laughs> Malcolm McDowell pistol packing Loomis. Fine. Well, anyway. you know, Star Wars has done that, where like now Star Wars is using all the prequel actors to like play <laughs> to play like the older versions of these characters now. Oh yeah, I gotta love that fucking nightmare fuel. Let's digitally stitch together Mark Hamill's pre-car accident face instead of just giving Sebastian Stan more work. Okay. <laughs> hey, well, hey, at least Halloween didn't do the digital, the digital messing around with. Like it was specifically a guy on the crew for Halloween Kills who just looked like Dr. Loomis. And they just like put makeup on him to make him look even more like uh, Donald Pleasance. And then they got the guy who basically did all the audio dub work in Halloween 2018, and they had him like be the voice, the voiceover for Loomis. Yeah, that wasn't that bad. So it's let it's less unethical. (laughs) All right. Yeah, I think with that we might as well get started in this film. All right. So this movie starts in Halloween 2019, actually. So a year after the last movie has ended. Wait, but Angel, did you know that the title, the title like words are the same from Halloween 3? Yes. Now, here's the thing. If you're like me and try to do a little bit of research on IMDb for some cool fun facts, you're going to find that some asshole made that trivia nine different entries in fucking imdb and wherever you are i will find you and i will beat you with fucking i'm looking for something around my room a french press coffee maker yeah i know this i know this series well enough to i recognize that uh at first at first i was like huh that's interesting the 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 blue font like you know pre the opening scene and then once it does the cut to the credits that's when I realized what they were doing. So yeah. I was a little, I was a little thrown off in the, you know, the Miramax presents or Universal mm-hmm. presents and all that shit. And then we get the, then we get Halloween 2019, which is you know one year after the events of Halloween Kills. Uh, we are in the home of a wealthy Very family well in Haddonfield, yeah. and uh, they, it's so it's like these parents that are going off to a Halloween party, which is everyone in Haddonfield just goes off to these like orgies for some reason or like some bizarre like adult parties every year where their kids all have to get babysat. Nothing Um, like eyes wide shut fuck parties (laughs) in the heartland of America. (laughs) And uh, so, you know, their son is going to be babysat by really i think maybe our main character of the movie Corey cunningham fucking um, weird all right the whole concept of babysitters is weird to me to invite strangers into your home to watch your your precious children but then to hire weird college age boys <laughs> to watch your children well you know what I, I do think that we probably again we live in a world now where it's not just a girl's job that is you know for babysitting kids the other thing is not a lot of us are well off enough that we could hire 
babysitters to watch our kids <laughs> because i honestly i don't know how much you'd have to pay a babysitter an hour to like you know have them watch your child when you go somewhere but i cannot imagine that it's very cheap and uh you know i would much rather just go drop the kid off at their grandparents or yeah, or just... at someone else who can watch the child for free as opposed to calling in you know again it's it's something that a demographic of people that is not me <laughs> would understand where we come from a culture where it's commonplace to dump your kids at mom grandma and grandpa's house and not come back till sunday night (laughs) but i don't know it's like drop them off at your shitbag friends it's about time they earn their keep so so uh cory is watching the kid i think his name jeremy uh, Jeremy is the child that's being watched, and uh, he and Corey are sitting there actually watching John Carpenter's The Thing, which it's a, a meta, you know, obviously reference to John Carpenter, but mm-hmm. also a reference to the original Halloween where uh, Annie and Lindsay are watching the original thing from another world yeah. uh, on that night. And obviously, John Carpenter's The Thing did not come out for like five years after that, so... Also, yeah, uh, this is after, um, yeah, like you mentioned, after the 2018 uh, Halloween night took place. So Corey gets informed by the mom that at this point, Jeremy has started uh, wetting the bed and has been getting kind of like some nightmares uh, with the weird hyperfixation on Michael Myers. Which I kind of get because, yeah. you know, hey, he did just like assassinate half the town last year. So. <laughs> Like, literally, the end of that movie was, like, him, like, slaughtering, like, an entire neighborhood's worth of, like, (laughs) residents of Haddonfield, including the woman who was, like, trying to attack him with an iron. (laughs) God, she is the bravest one of them all (laughs) in my book. Uh, Between her and Little John. (laughs) Yeah. But man, between Michael Myers and then COVID, Haddonfield, because you know Haddonfield's a fucking red. I, you know, I was curious because they, the word that came out when this movie went into production is that they were going to find some way to kind of weave COVID into this. And I think a lot of people were concerned about how, like, oh, on the nose it was going to be because everything in this series has been on the nose. And. <laughs> Funny enough, this movie actually is the most subdued of the three, I think. And oh, it's, you, and you I wait. think it's and I think its themes are less they, they they hammer you over the head less than they did in the last two movies. Yeah, not no, not really. Don't you remember the scene where Michael Myers spreads literal evil by coughing in Corey's mouth? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so uh Corey, I guess, is going to, you know, you know, tell him, oh, it's time to get ready for bed. And uh, he does not want to get ready for bed yet. And but or he does not want to stop watching the thing. He wants to prove that he's not scared of the thing. And, you know, they kind of start the banter back and forth about, you know, aren't you scared of Michael Myers? And then he goes, well, he's like, you should be more scared of him because you're the he kills babysitters and you're the babysitter. My favorite part is that he says you're the ugly babysitter. And I was like, yeah, you tell him. (laughs) <laughs> you tell him weird face handsome boy <laughs> he does have a weird face yet is awkwardly handsome I, it's it's bizarre man i just like, think it's it's how are you ugly but have a hatchet jaw 
Yeah, no, it's not it's, ugly. It's, I no, mean, you know, hey, I'm pretty sure that Gen Zers probably love this guy, so or probably think he's he's crazy attractive. I just think to me it's weird. It's just he has such a weird face. <laughs> Gen Zers want to fuck Jeffrey Dahmer. They got their own problems. <laughs> okay, and I'm tired of I'm tired of it. I'm tired of being shit talked by a bunch of people that love Jeffrey Dahmer like that. Well, speaking of Gen Zers being attracted by serial killers, Corey does accidentally murder this child uh, in on this evening because when they are playing hide and seek uh you know he cory goes throughout the entire house and and some some at some point ends up in the attic where jeremy the little shit decides to lock him in the attic which is pretty fucked up the little shit <laughs> i can see whose side you're on <laughs> and cory is like obviously like seems to be terrified of being you know locked up in the attic by himself i'll say this the tension in this scene when Corey is like looking for jeremy is pretty it's pretty good it's got great tension Mm -hmm. and it's like you're like all right is is something gonna happen between Corey and jeremy is something gonna happen with michael myers because they already like mentioned him in the beginning and then it's like you're going up into the attic and and you don't really you haven't seen Jeremy. You're watching everything really through Corey's perspective. So you don't know if he's the kid is still alive or not. And then, of course, you know, then he locks him in, in the attic and he's like banging on the door, trying to push the door open. <laughs> he mm-hmm. is yelling, I will kill you to him and, with a uh, knife in his hand, mind you. <laughs> right. Um and also just the fact that, you know, he puts down the beer and decides that he wants to drink chocolate milk is also like bizarre. And and I don't know if they're just trying to connotate that he's like a it's, you know, like when we watch Get Out and then we see like uh, the character, God, I forget her name. Yeah, Rose. We're like Rose is like eating fruit loops out of a bowl and then drinking milk out of a cup like like they go out of their way to do weird shit to like tell you that this person is a sociopath i I mean that was that was because she keeps colors and white separated (laughs) oh oh my god (laughs) well Corey, like just wanting to only drink chocolate milk is just one of those things to me it's just like all right well now you're you're telling us that there's something off about this guy and of course, he's holding a knife and he's yelling that I'm going to kill him. And the parents open the door and, you know, Corey, you know, slams the door open, hits this kid right in the head. He falls over the banister and just like lands on the first floor. It's like three floors in this place. Bro, so he, like, he hits the ground hard. It's this scene, this series has has not shied away from murdering kids. <laughs> like <laughs> between the kid, who, kids. between the kid who gets like killed by Michael in 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 the first movie, the shotgun wielding dancing child. Oh gets, yeah, like, I forgot yeah, about him. Gets like his neck broken in the car, uh, and then it's like yeah, it's like I've so this series like has killed kids before. Um, oh, did and I'll say this? I'll say this. Get killed in Halloween Kills too. Yeah, the kids got killed in the park damn dude yeah michael's not afraid to m- slaughter children here damn fucking fucking danny mcbride and david gordon <laughs> green hate kids <laughs> but um all right so you know this kid is just dead and like bleeding <laughs> off into the floor dude and he it, when he hits it's like a sack of doorknobs hitting the ground it's just like holy fuck that was loud yeah it's instant death 
and just like banging on the floor and you know they're sitting there like having a moment where they're just like you know freaking out trying to see if he's survived which very clearly is not Mm -hmm. um and then that's when they look up at the top of the stairs and see Corey there with like a knife in his hand and uh what did you do and then that's when it like goes into the credits and i'll say this is a really excellent opening scene maybe the best scene in the movie for me Mm -hmm. Um, it's just it felt like you know it's kind of like it 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 it, it felt like the scream opening in a little bit like it's just one of those things that like i have not seen in a halloween movie and i'll say this i did know that this was coming i knew how this was going to end because Mm -hmm. internet did spoil it for me already but i think so i knew what i was going to get in the opening but still seeing what they did was shocking and the way they did it it's very well done yeah because the movie definitely puts you in a direction to think that you have no reason to believe michael myers isn't coming back to start murdering folks again so you're already in that mindset just waiting for michael waiting for michael and then for this to just be a very like unfortunate series of events that result in like a child's death you're like wow this is still brutal but completely random out of anyone's control except for jeremy who's a piece of shit yeah so now we get the blue Halloween three style credits, except like instead of it being like the digital jack-o'-lantern, like we do get in Halloween three, it's like jack-o'-lanterns, like growing out of jack-o'-lanterns. It's, it's like <laughs> jack-o'-lanterns ripping their previous face off to reveal more jack-o'-lanterns. <laughs> to, re- to reveal like more frightening looking jack-o'-lanterns. That's me telling my girl I'm going to change. <laughs> <laughs> It is just me being more toxic every time. <laughs> um, so yeah, there goes that credit scene. And I'll say this. Um, it's a nice little Halloween 3 reference, but the rest of this movie feels less like a Halloween movie. And it, I, I like that the character's name is Corey Cunningham mm-hmm. because it reminds me of the character of Arnie Cunningham who, for those who don't know, is the star of another John Carpenter directorial movie, Christine, which is based on the novel by Stephen King. And I I think that this movie, it feels like a Stephen King, like like an adaptation of a Stephen King novel, more than it's felt like any other Halloween movie to me. I can see that just because of the weird troubled protagonist. Yeah, like, I mean, and then you get, like, the sociopathic bullies that, like, might actually murder you. Like, that is a recurring theme in Stephen King works. It just, it felt very different from anything I'd seen in Halloween before. And oh, my God. That, those characters are that are the same from the other Halloween movies, it just, it feels different to me. Yeah, especially right from the beginning, since the way the, you know, post-credits... Well, post-opening credits, it starts with kind of like a weird vignette, uh, kind of uh, recapping everything from Halloween uh, 2018 and Halloween Kills uh, with a voiceover by Lori just kind of talking about how uh, the town is still reeling and feeling the effects of Michael Myers' attacks. And how Haddonfield kind of is on the is kind of on a on a downward spiral, and you intersperse between these um, these vignettes, you get 
uh, shots of uh, people responding to, or the sheriff's department responding to like suicides and uh, various like violent crimes and just like things that have been happening since uh, Halloween 2018 and kind of how the city is still responding to all this uh, craziness that's been going on, which is really interesting. And I actually really like that because it does, it broadens the scope yes. of, of uh, Michael Myers and really shows the consequences on the town itself. It's the only time that, that the scope feels as big as it did in the second one. The second one really was the town versus Michael. And then this one, it's like, you see the aftermath of that, but then the story's just going to go back to more of a, like, you know, small, small story. Yeah, it's revealed that Lori is working on a memoir, mm-hmm. um, kind of talking about her experiences with Michael uh, and kind of being surviving, being a final girl, and then uh, confronting him in 2018 and kind of everything that it costs her as well as the town. So a lot of her inner monologues are about facing your fears and confronting those uh, demons and confronting evil, really. This is the most well-composed Lori post-Halloween 1 that we've ever had before, because even in Halloween H2O, like where she did have a kid and she was the principal of that secluded, like, you know, uh, boarding school, like she still was like a raging alcoholic (laughs) and like had a lot of like personal problems as well. Whereas this is the first time since that original movie that you see Laurie trying to be kind of closer to the character she was in that first movie all of a sudden again. Yeah. Like she's trying to return to that babysitter that kind of that, yeah, was just there to kind of protect people and to, you know, that was, even though she showed fear and she was afraid, she was still able to kind of, like, stand for herself. Um, God, I'm trying to find the name of the, of the, what's it called, um, of the memoir she had. It's something like Stalkers and uh, Yeah, eh. I don't know. Can't remember. <laughs> That's tough. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, we see that after the after the events of Halloween 2018, um, that she's kind of been able to get her her life together and back on track. And we also see that Allison has also been able to recover from her injuries and mm-hmm. kind she's of the a loss nurse. of her family. Yeah, she's a nurse now. She had lost her parents. Uh, and she's, she's gone with total Lori. goth and. You know, there is, yeah, her character, it it kind of reminds me of Rob Zombie's Laurie Strode, like, (laughs) in Halloween, but a lot less swear words and a lot less, like, trying to force her to be damaged, like, you know, like, whereas I felt like Rob Zombie's Laurie Strode, like, just needed a damaged, like, tattoo on her forehead. (laughs) I feel like at least this person felt it was a functioning human being who is just dealing with the trauma of, you know, of this stuff that's happened to her. So, well, Laurie has, you know, spent enough years, enough decades of her life, like, you know, being miserable over over the things that have happened shockingly uh she is now in a place where she's been able to let go and uh using her story to try to make people feel i don't know better but the other thing that this movie does which i think is great i mean is that there's a lot of people they could have had her call someone a dick licker just to make me happy (laughs) 
but what they do with Laurie Strode in this is that she is kind of like a pariah still because um, you'll see that at some point she's in a grocery store uh, where she runs into, you know, uh, Deputy Hawkins and mm. um, what's it called? The, you know, they have that really cute scene together and it seems like they're potentially reconciling at some point. Mm-hmm. But then once she's like outside the grocery store, we see one of the characters from the last movie and I cannot remember the character's name, but she was she was the um, I think the grave worker from from Halloween 2018. Uh, she and her husband were in Halloween Kills playing with a drone. And, yeah. and, and and I thought both of them got killed in that movie, but it turned out it was only the husband. I mean, she looks like she almost dies when right. she gets a fucking like, light bulb shoved into her throat. Yeah. Like, see, now she's just living like, a, you know, more of a grim existence with, you know, her being, you know, confined to a wheelchair and she cannot talk because of the damage that has been done to her vo- uh, to her vocal cords. Mm-hmm. And I actually like that scene, um, and that kind of does remind me of, or it is something that you were saying. I forgot what the TikToker's name is. Maybe if I find her video, I can like post it on the IG page. Uh, but she has a very interesting take where she really likes this movie. And she talks about a lot of how Halloween ends is a lot of Lori taking her life back um, from that fear and from that trauma that um, that Michael caused. And that's why we get to see her be kind of like this playful, almost like, you know, like teenage girl, like pure girl that she was in that first movie where she acts awkward around boys and she has the weird interaction action with um what's his name harkness mm-hmm. well the other thing too is all right so it's survivors right laurie is a survivor and i think Hawkins, this movie sorry oh yeah, yeah. The, the, what this other what this movie does as well and i think this scene in particular does as well that i think resonates in real life is depending on what you look like and what your situation is you know surviving a traumatic event might look different to you you know and i don't think it's any secret that like you know that that the black character you know is she is now like living with her sister and her sister basically has to take care of her so we're as laurie is just feeling all you know oh the carefree you know i but i'm a survivor now i'm writing my memoir oh i'm Mm -hmm. so strong and this you know at the same time she's like forced to face in this moment that like here's another survivor but the result of this has been a lot different for her and you can only imagine what her and her family feel to see someone like Lori basically you know becoming famous off of this mm-hmm. this you know and 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 it's like yeah it's like of course it's like of course the white woman is going to have like this it's going to be framed in such a positive way whereas like another character who is a different skin color you know is now her life has effectively been ruined and you know nobody on earth will be asking for her in the same way that they're all asking for Lori because she's the famous victim of michael myers yeah she's the one that survived twice you know she's the one that survived 40 years later um or however long it is i don't remember exactly i'm not good with math but um point is yeah however long it's been like that's you know her sort you know she survived twice she has a completely different story 
And unfortunately, yeah, I think that's a really good observation is that in a situation like this, not everyone's treated equal. All right. So so at the risk of us sounding like we're spending too much time talking about Lori, let's go back to the main character of this movie. And that's Corey, because Corey, like we're seeing his life. He, you know, in the beginning of the movie, it looked like, you know, he had mentioned that he was going to be an engineer. He was Mm -hmm. a really good, like, you know, college student. He got, you know, got great grades and basically was about to be living his his best life, going to university and becoming an engineer. Well, now, you know, a year later or two years, two, two years later, uh, after this event, after the the death of Jeremy, you see that he's actually working just as a mechanic in his uh, stepfather's garage. That's and... right, death, because it was an accident. <laughs> yes. And, you know, hey, it's like you find out that, that, that you know, he did not, you know, he was not uh, charged with murder. It was manslaughter. So he beat he the very... charges, but... <laughs> He very well may have gone to jail. He may have had to do some time, which, you know, torpedoed his college career. And now he's just a mechanic and everyone in town like looks at him as like some sort of like freak. And what I do like about this is that it at least it tries to bring home the fact that, you know, Lori, Allison and Corey are all three you know, three people who, you know, anytime they walk into a room in that town, like people are going to whisper and like murmur about them because they are basically social outcasts. Yeah, because one's a survivor, one's a survivor turned pariah, and now one is the pariah, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. he's, it's like different sides of the of the same spectrum, you know, yeah. where unfortunately, no matter what, they're going to be defined by this town to be exactly what they are. Uh, or to be exactly seen a certain way. Uh, and yeah, like you were saying, the best job he can get now is just what's kind of given to him by his stepdad working at a salvage yard. And he spends pretty much his days just kind of going from home to the salvage yard. And, you, you know, you get some scenes where he interacts with his mom and you see that she's very overbearing and very like bordering on controlling about him it is again it's like it's these are the things that feel the least like halloween and i'll say this i'm kind of into it like i it feels like something out of you know a television series that i could be seeing right now you know and uh again it's like they feel like they might as well be in maine and these might as well be characters from uh you know from um from Stephen King and also just the fact that you know that that Corey Cunningham does have the same last name as Arnie Cumming- Cunningham from Christine which was done I, on purpose I guess yeah for sure like you know I, I can't help but just think of this as a Stephen like an adaptation of a Stephen King work mm-hmm. where basically this is kind of like a, re- a soft reboot of Christine except Michael Myers is the car in this movie <laughs> great now i have the idea of Corey cunningham being like driving michael myers everywhere he just hops on his back oh i know you've seen the meme of like of of cory riding the motorcycle but it's like michael who's sitting behind him holding <laughs> oh it's so dumb i love it but um right. yeah one you know we we get introduced uh or reintroduced to cory when he's at a gas station where Lori happens to be gassing up and um, out of the corner of her eye, she sees him 
kind of come out of the gas station where he gets confronted by uh, four. <laughs> He's getting bullied by like high school band kids. <laughs> oh my god, that's how you know this is in 2022 when it's the band kids <laughs> that are the bullies. <laughs> but granted, given his given like his past and what he's been through he probably shouldn't be anywhere near anyone under the age of 18 and these kids should probably be a lot more afraid of him than they are yeah and it's a conceit of the movie that you have to that you have to accept because you know that in real life more people would be smart if they knew that there was a guy who was accused of this stuff like he would probably more than likely be left alone or I, I don't know. I think there would be maybe some in, in a small town in small town rural America. I could see people fucking with him. Probably. Yeah. So, well, he's not. He's not. You know, he's not trans or a person of color. So you know, I don't know how much are they going to want to mess with him the way they mess with other people who are different. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> Sorry. Did I get shoot really... from the hip? <laughs> bang, bang. <laughs> did I get really harsh there? Angel versus the heartland of America. <laughs> Angel does America. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, so uh, these kids... And he's first... getting chocolate milk again at the gas station. Honestly, I think they're really trying to hammer home that he's like supposed to be this uber innocent guy. But it just creeps me out. It makes me. It creeps you out more. because they they kind of infantilize him like with the with the chocolate milk and then also this bizarre like love hate relationship he has with his mother it feels very norman bates at the same time yeah so he uh so the kids end up uh confronting him asking him well first they don't confront him they ask him if he can buy them beer to which he responds no and instead of kindly taking the no and asking your next adult to buy you beer uh which is something that a younger javi may or may not have done i'm not going to admit to anything (laughs) they proceed to like do the whole hey i know you and they start just kind of shoving the shoving Corey around until the, his anger gets the better of him and he uh ends up breaking the the glass or breaking the glass bottle of milk in his hand cutting himself uh when one of the kids takes that as a threat they like shove him to the ground which is finally where Lori intervenes um and the kids kind of then call her what was it they call her the the monster in the freak show or something like that yeah um to which Lori responds which one of us is the freak show <laughs> <laughs> and um and then uh when they go into the store she says uh should you do it or me and Corey, not knowing what she means she pulls out a pocket knife <laughs> To which Corey then takes and jams into one of the uh one of the tires. Uh he then kind of he then loads uh his bike onto Lori's truck, mm-hmm. who then takes her uh who then she takes him to uh Haddonfield uh Haddonfield Hospital, where you know she tries to force this meet cute between Corey and uh Allison. Yeah. very interesting you know i'm just saying if i had a grandkid who survived a like mass murder um from the guy that tried to kill me twice over the last like 50 years i don't know if i would bring the boy that uh, you know was was accused of murdering someone not accused of 
convicted of manslaughter and the death of a child. Yeah, I, I mean, I get that they're trying to say that they're all kind of kindred spirits because they're all like people who have made it through something like this. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's yeah, it doesn't make sense. And uh, I get very concerned with something like this because it almost feels like I, I almost feel like the movie's trying to say that the town had basically canceled Corey. And he's like trying to find his way through. It's it could be very dicey. And thankfully, they don't they don't go like, you know, they don't go in that direction because I think we've talked about it. I don't know what other show we've talked about this on, but Mm -hmm. I'm kind of over probably Joker when we did Joker a few years ago. But I'm getting over like this thing where we just have to feel really bad for straight white men who are being bullied all the time and like how you know them being treated badly is like an excuse for them to go and murder large swaths of people <laughs> mainly because Angel of the shooting world from the live. hip again <laughs> <laughs> they've had it too good for too long I, you know i i don't have sympathy for this character I, I get not. I get you know what they're trying to do you know I I do like the relationship that he and Allison have because it feels like something you know it feels like something it feels like she's basically now rebelling <laughs> you know you know her last boyfriend was like the but against gen- was the gender bending like you know sweet guy that she went to school with but then like still cheated at her cheated on her with the big titty tiger girl at the dance so it's like I'm sorry, I what? <laughs> I, I go back and watch Halloween 2018 because it was shocking. Like <laughs> he had big old bazongas. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. it was pretty shocking that like the girl, like how yeah, I'm a pervert, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and you so said I'm the disgusting one of the duo. Oh, I'm pretty sure I'm just filthy, but I just kind of like, I, for some reason, I just noticed it this la- when I was watching it leading up to this movie. I was like, oh my God, like, <laughs> put those away, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to put an eye out with those. <laughs> You're going to knock someone out with <laughs> those chest beefers of yours. <laughs> All right. All right. That's enough. Okay. Uh, anyway, back to hot goth <laughs> Allison. Yeah. So it's like this, she went from like that guy to like, you know, now it's like Corey's the bad boy, basically, which is yeah. really funny. It's you like, know what, it's you know like, what it's like is, right? we know he's a nerd, but like to her, like she, he's like the bad boy, like James Dean, I guess. <laughs> you know what he is? Is he's going through his Anakin arc where he's already killed the kids. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, no lie, I did get a lot of Anakin Skywalker and Padme in this. He starts doing the really annoying thing of like, you don't know how dark I really am. There's a monster inside me. Well, and then, then, and then like, his character like really does seem like someone who's evil on the inside anyway. Like even before he runs into Michael, like he is just he feels like there's something evil about him. Yeah, it's that hatchet jaw of his. And then meanwhile, while he's talking about his inner darkness, she's like, your broken pieces fit my broken pieces. Now we can be together. You know, I'm obviously there's I'm fitting subtext here. 
I'm yeah. gonna be reading between the lines. All right. But, so to avoid like making this episode be super long, eventually they do actually go on a date together. Yep. Yeah. They end up going to this Halloween party where the fix around how can the local pariah go to a bar for a party is he just wears his mask the entire night. Which kind of makes sense. It's, and it's, it's cool. Like he is able to let loose. Um, there's like very coded intimate moments with Allison. They do this weird thing where he lies down on the floor of the, the dance floor of the bar. It is really weird. <laughs> and then she doesn't straddle him, but she does this weird like finger show in his face. <laughs> Yeah, I don't understand. What and I'm just like, damn, why people? <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, look, I've been to, I've been to bar parties like on Halloween, and there is no floor more disgusting than say a frat party floor, <laughs> which I've also been to. <laughs> that had is the cure and cause for cancer. There, like it was, I was like, you need to get up, sir. This is gross. And eventually he does get up, and as he's, like, you know, enjoying the night, uh, he gets confronted by Jeremy's mom, who's been drinking at the bar as well. Yes. Um, and saying that, you know, how is it that he can go have fun with his friends while her, uh, while her son is dead? And she starts kind of screaming at him, and he immediately leaves the bar. Allison goes chasing after him. And this is kind of where, you know, he he yells at Allison saying, like, I'm not your project to fix. Why'd you bring me here? I told you no one likes me here. Which, um, you know, hey, it's like, yeah, she, she, she probably should have known better if she really cared about it. Like, it is, it, I, I kind of felt him on that. Oh, no, I thought the same exact thing. Like, I'm like, why would you bring him to a packed bar? Go do shit like go to a movie or you know what? Go to a drive-in somewhere where you're in control and you can leave if things get weird. (laughs) You know, like it was it was very bizarre that that was like the decision they made was to go to this party. But I get it because it kind of takes you to the the next scenes to come. But um, it was yeah, it was like a weird out of character thing. But I think in part of it is like you were saying is that at this moment, while while both Allison and Lori are trying not to let their traumas kind of like take away their life it feels like Lori is like well I'm taking my life back using like a healthy means Mm -hmm. it feels like Allison is like just rebelling like you said yeah and And unfortunately Loki it's Lori's fault and pretty soon after this encounter uh, this is when Corey like will you know end up near this bridge and uh those bullies drive by again and kind of beat him up <laughs> and end up throwing him over the bridge <laughs> and uh that's my re- favorite part is when they throw him over he goes no i didn't throw him he fell shut up <laughs> and like the kid like <laughs> You're right. These are sociopath bullies. It is the bullies from Stephen King like novels because the Stephen the novels like I don't know what happened to Stephen King when he was a kid, but apparently it was greasers and greasers were the antichrist because they all like in his books it's always like greasers wanting to murder kids. <laughs> 
Um, so Corey falls uh, off the bridge and he's dragged in by a homeless person into the into the sewer. And uh, that is where he, you know, is confronted by Michael Myers, <laughs> who apparently had been living in the sewer for several years. And, yeah, he, like the mask looks all moldy and his skin looks all infected in all the places where it's been bleeding. You know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, he should be dead. Oh, 100%. He should nothing be like... else. But. But then there's this weird thing, which is this is the one thing about this movie that I 100% don't like. Oh, you mean when he magically passes his evil essence? Well, that they don't actually, like, make clear that that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. You can guess it, but there's no, like, I'll say this. For as horrible, and I mean it is awful, for as horrible as Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers is, Mm -hmm. at least they bothered to explain what michael's curse is and how it can be passed to someone else because this does not explain anything and i don't know how michael and Corey even communicate because later in the movie like Corey and michael are going to be where he like starts wrestling him on the floor he starts telling him show me how to do it and uh show me how to do that thing and we're just like what what's the thing that he's talking about murder like yeah, like Mike, Michael like chokes stuff? him, and then like it's it, like he starts having flashbacks to all the things that have happened to him, and then his eyes like change color or some weird shit, and then all of a sudden it's like the next day, uh, and he's like, like, like a and he like eyes. wakes up like you know outside of the sewer, um, and now all of a sudden it's like he's becoming the shape literally. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a little Easter egg where. Uh, on the on the bridge that uh, Corey gets thrown off on, it says, uh, "You know how the the you know how it's uh, from Halloween Kills. It was Evil Dies Tonight was like the big thing people say. Um, if you look, there's graffiti that says uh, Love Lives Tomorrow or something. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny." But yeah, dude, I was I was so irritated by that scene of Corey being choked by Michael because I assume yeah, there is there is nothing to really explain to you what's happening and you're just left to assume that evil gets transferred that way or it's like or maybe it's that evil can just be awoken in people or i don't know it was but this didn't happen with anybody else michael strangled people in the last movie too yeah but he killed them (laughs) that's true maybe like he strangled the boyfriend in the last one but then he like cracked his neck immediately after so he didn't get that that's so raven like (laughs) (laughs) style like flash forward or flashback that's so raven (laughs) it's your murder i can see (laughs) It was so, it's just really dumb. And then, like, it's also a really shitty flashback. Too. Yeah. Well, because it's stuff that you've already seen earlier in the movie. And um, I'm, I'm like, dude, I don't want to watch a clip show for a fucking movie. I think that's yeah. the other thing that annoyed me. He's confronted by a homeless man when he's up. He kills the homeless man. And that's like his second murder. <laughs> If you're counting the first one as like something he did, yeah, we it may, it may be a manslaughter charge, but fuck them kids, that was a murder. Um, when Corey later, Corey and Allison end up going on a date, 
and then I, I, it took me a while to figure out what this was. But there is a police officer named Doug mm-hmm. who and it's funny, Doug Mullaney. And mm-hmm. the, the reason why I remembered that last name is because I watched Halloween Kills. Uh-huh. And what's it called? Halloween Kills has that 1978 flashback where all those like weird neighbor kids are like bullying Lonnie, Lam- Lonnie Lamb. Uh-huh. And they're all saying, don't fuck with the Mullaney's. Like all those creepy ass kids that were threatening him. Oh, and yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, of course, this guy's the descendants of like those like bully kids. It's like the O'Doyles. It's, from it's very, Madison. it's very back to the future. It's like these are Biff's kids. <laughs> O'Doyle um, rules. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, you know, since this guy comes from a long line of bullies, of course, his chosen profession is going to be police officer. Damn, Angel, <laughs> once again, dunk it on cops. My liberal, the, this is like the most liberal leaning podcast I've done in a while. I know, this is you fucking infecting everyone with your leftist <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, this guy's like even creepy, somehow even creepier than Corey. And he happens to be Alice and Dex. So it's like, all right, well. Well, honestly, I didn't even think that was her ex at first. This guy feels like he's way too old to be dating her, but apparently, they're around the same age. Something about the water in Haddonfield makes the 20 year olds look 40 because Mm. this man is a grown ass old person and just being like, Hey, you never called me back. And Allison just completely creeped out. It's just like, Yeah. Um, sorry, I didn't call you back, and just kind of like is trying to really just make it evident that she's not interested. Mm-hmm. But um, Corey and Doug end up having a confrontation that leads to kind of like a dick measuring contest, which I thought was interesting. Um, yeah, again, this is all interesting stuff. Michael Myers and Laurie Strode are barely in this, despite this being billed as their final battle ever. And I'm cool with that. And I, I like problem, this stuff. I actually the problem like is this it's stuff. a Halloween movie, and mm-hmm. it was if it was called anything other than Halloween, I'd be okay with it. Honestly, there's a part of me that really just wishes that maybe they would have wrapped up Laurie and Michael's uh, story in the last one. Mm-hmm. And then decided to make this one just completely its own story. Yeah, I know that you can't do that, and maybe it was like that was too big a risk to take. But it's like fuck it. If it's like if you're gonna swing, like just swing harder. Like I feel like for as big a swing this is, and as much as I can respect them for just going for it, I feel like they could have even gone for it even more. Yeah, but uh, anyway, yeah, I got thoughts, and it's like the more we talk about it, that's probably. I'll probably bring those up on, like once at the end once we get final thoughts on the movie. All right. But um so later that night um once they've left that bar and you know Corey and Allison have more sexual tension um she ends up they end up not sleeping together that night even though she asked him if he wanted to go inside but no he's he, like no i'm too tortured i can't i'm too tortured i have to go murder your ex-boyfriend the creepy police officer <laughs> yeah because of no no one can be creepier than me in this movie <laughs> uh, see a thing that i absolutely hate but at the same time like i love it and i will admit that i hate that i love cheesy ass dialogue is like the one is like when Allison like is staring like 
all sad. She's like staring at Corey and says, we should just burn it all down <laughs> and leave and burn it all down. And he just like stares at her with his with his weird, creepy, sexy nerd eyes and tells her <laughs> I can weird, light creep- the match. His weird, creepy, sexy smolder. <laughs> Wait, who was it that says light the match? Is it Allison? No, no. Allison uh, said they should burn it all down, and Corey said he'd light the match. And then you end up seeing them on their back of his motorcycle, and then it's like they're playing like that sexy emo like electro rock music. <laughs> they just start playing Nine Inch Nails, and <laughs> this is the weird goth couple in high school. <laughs> This is the one that says I'm his or I'm her Jack and she's my Sally. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, bitch. I just ruined them for you. No lie, I still like them though. No, no they suck. Everyone sucks. No, they suck. Everyone in this movie sucks, but I still like them. Everyone but Hawkins. I love that. I love Coach. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, like you were saying, Corey ends up leading Doug out to this uh, I guess he must have known that Doug was following them because mm-hmm. they make out as he lets uh, as he drops Allison off and then just kind of rides off and then we're shown that Doug is like right behind them kind of like watching them and he ends up following uh, Corey into this uh like under an overpass homeless encampment or under the bridge homeless encampment mm-hmm. um whereas doug is like checking through the tents he actually finds the body of the um of the homeless person that um that cory had killed earlier that earlier that day i think yeah earlier that day <laughs> he moves quick i swear yeah this happens like in a matter of days yeah and what it does that's also very season of the witch is that it doesn't all take place on the singular day of Halloween. Like it is like a couple days and it does mm-hmm. give you title cards for like the two or three days that this takes out that this like is happening over. Yeah, Corey ends up leading um, Doug into the and he ends up leading Doug down into the sewer where they proceed again, like this drawn out fight that I don't think Corey was really expecting them to have um, until finally uh, Michael kind of steps in and helps Corey and ends up uh, stabbing Doug to death using an old kitchen knife that he pulls from like between the stones, I guess. Yes, the dirty, rusty kitchen knife that will that will just get it going, that will just start the transition of Michael's powers to Corey. <laughs> Or continue from, it at least, I guess. And from here on, essentially, Corey becomes a weird, creepy incel that's like, this girl, if I just kill everyone that has wronged this girl, she'll have to love me forever. Another thing that I wish that they could have done that would have shown kind of like it would have visualized like what is happening more is let's say if Corey slowly started talking less and less and less like Michael and eventually mm-hmm. like he becomes silent by the end of the movie but but he just he he never does that it's still just like just him like it just feels like Corey plus like Michael Powers for some reason and that's why I think it's less Michael transferring something 
Um, and it's more Michael bringing it out of people. That's true. I, I mean, think- with the monologue that Lori gives in the beginning about like how it's turning the town into like maniacs, which which funny enough, I guess I should bring this up now. The original script that John Carpenter and Deborah Hill had commissioned for Halloween four mm-hmm. when they were still involved with that movie was it was written by a guy named Dennis Etchison and his his version of this of the story of Halloween four revolved around Lindsay and Tommy as teenagers but it's like what was going to show like what would happen to the town as it's like haunted by Michael Myers mm-hmm. and the the idea of that movie was that he wasn't going to appear as a killer anymore that he was going to appear more as like a you know a force or mm-hmm. like a specter and it was going to show how evil changes shape in Haddonfield so I feel like maybe a good chunk of this movie as well is almost paying homage to like that original Halloween 4 concept that John Carpenter had Mm-hmm. and then uh yeah and honestly that does make sense because that is kind of like one of the main themes of this movie is just kind of like how evil gets drawn out in different ways uh every one of these movies has like the one character that you could do without uh the begin the first halloween 2018 had sartain which i think we both talked about how like the movie would have been exactly the same beginning to end without that character and mm-hmm. he wasn't exactly needed and it almost is like too weird to have him there. And then in the second one in Halloween Kills, I think it's the other Smith's Grove inmate who like throws himself out the window. The parasol man, not Penguin from Batman in that one. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I, in this movie, which one do you think it is? The radio DJ. Yeah. And he does get his. Like he one thousand percent doesn't need to be in this movie. You have no idea as to how he and Corey ha- are related or what kind of friendship or relationship they had. Like he was never introduced earlier in the movie, um, but it's like, but they don't like each other for some reason, and it doesn't make sense. And well, I, I mean, it does it. make sense because you hear snippets of him talking um, throughout the movie where he's very much like. Essentially, he's just, he's he's a he's essentially acting like Howard Stern, just giving really fucking hot takes about uh, Michael Myers and about Corey as well. I would have preferred um, this guy be a podcaster than a radio host. It just feels too retro. It feels like just something that is it's a little out of time that doesn't exist anymore, <laughs> or like yeah. a blogger or something like that. Like somebody on like an influencer on Instagram, like maybe. I'm cool off influencers. I think influencers. I know. I know, but it's just again, it just this just feels like something that doesn't ring true in the modern world that we live in. Yeah, I don't know if it but, needs to be like that over the note, like on the nose, but mm-hmm. but I don't know something else. It should have been something else, or just you didn't have to have this character entirely. The only thing that this that that is that the scene of them running into each other like does that interests me. It's for some reason Corey like you know jumps off the roof of this uh of this radio station and like when he falls like you know he he does the Michael Myers like sitting up. Yeah, I thought that was really cool as he does and the it, dead man. And up. they don't like play a musical sting or anything like that. Like it, it's it's one of those things that happens, and if you just kind of like aren't paying attention, you'll miss it. 
mm-hmm. you know so i appreciate like how like kind of subtle it was um mm-hmm. but yeah it's the only thing that made this matter yeah so um leading up to halloween day uh we get some interactions between uh lori and uh cory where they they mimic the shot of her kind of like seeing him by the bushes kind of a callback to the mm-hmm. uh greatest scares episode where yes. he's there but then he's not in the very next frame and really kind of freaks you out yeah um, it's it, it's not as good but no you know, not at all but, but hey, it's it's but more trying. just that it's a callback yeah. yeah but Lori starts seeing um this subtle change in Corey. And then Corey finds out that Allison's been passed up for a uh, for a promotion by her boss by one by the doctor at the hospital. Yeah, who in gave, favor and, of her slutty coworker who wants to sleep with him. And and so they did. <laughs> yeah, this is the part of it that it either feels very Rob Zombie or also just feels like plain slasher and uh you mean punishing people for being sluts yeah yes we but and the but the only thing about this that makes it interesting is this is where you get the first masked cory kill um mm-hmm. which is cory in the scarecrow costume that allison got for him for that halloween party mm-hmm. and he's just like brutally murdering the uh the doctor I love that reveal when she's looking for the doctor and then when she like sets off the motion sensor light it's just Corey with the bag wrapped around his head to cover the screams yes. and just stabbing him repeatedly you're just like oh shit it's a scene where this franchise feels very very current and very modern because seeing him like you know just quickly killing them feels like either the young kids in scream it feels like something out of the strangers or it feels like something out of the purge. Like it is, it, it's, it's a different style of like, you know, it, it's the same, I guess, you know, it's, it's a slasher stuff, but it just feels more modern. And it's, again, it's a different take. The idea is that this is the different shape. It's and, brutal, um, yet the way they do it is very, I don't know how to explain it. It's just like as an afterthought like yes. it's not done with any process or anything it's just they just do it quick yes i will say that as much as i did like this the one thing i preferred that this movie probably would have done is if you're going to keep the michael myers costume and if we are like ramping this all up to Corey being the new shape i would have had Corey get his own mask Mm-hmm. and then have it, it, the same even if it's the same michael mask like but just like a newer like newer cleaner version of that mask and then have him use his own version of it instead of stealing the moldy mask because my god the pandemic just ended my friend you are 1000 percent gonna catch like mouth infections <laughs> from- nah man Michael has been in that sewer for, I'm assuming, four years, socially isolating. Like, he's fine. That's true. He's been alone. Except for the fact that, like, he's been eating rats and which are, like, filled with diseases. And he's also been, like, absorbing the life force of, like, dead vagrants. (laughs) 
I like how this movie has makes no effort to explain what the fuck Michael Myers is. They never do. And like H2O doesn't do it. This like they, they never do it. It's like he's not a fucking zombie, but he's anytime like, that they have to try to explain where he's been between movies, it's like when the logic starts to fall apart. Like, remember the I think it's Halloween five, where at the end of Halloween four he gets lit up by the sheriff's department. Yep. And in five, like just this mountain man finds him and just he he sleeps for a year and then just wakes up and is like, all right, then bye. Yep. Like these franchises, I gotta stop looking for logic. That's my problem. <laughs> yes. But th- th- that kill scene is great. It is a great kill scene. And then we do get the return of Michael there as well. Yeah, where he ends up pinning uh, the nurse to the wall using a sword. A sword. <laughs> using a kitchen knife. No, he's a nerd. He uses a katana. <laughs> but yeah, much like the same way he killed Bob back in uh, Halloween 78. Mm-hmm. And then from there... Um, yeah, like Corey and Allison come up with this plan that they're going to uh, leave Haddonfield um, and that, you know, slowly, uh, and like I was mentioning, Lori's kind of observing Cor- uh, Corey, realizing that her his behavior is changing. And she's trying to convince to- Allison not to go. Yeah, she's trying to tell Allison that Corey's no good and to which... Allison gets mad and blames Lori for all of this, which I mean, uh-huh. rightfully so, you know. Um, she blames her for the events that everything that's happened in Haddonfield. Um, and when uh and when Lori ends up confronting Corey, this is where Corey tell you know, they, they have a very similar argument to which Corey responds by saying, if no one can have or if I can't have Allison, no one can. Serial killer behavior. Yep. The last thing you ever want to hear is the mild-mannered white guy say, "If she, I can't have him, <laughs> no one will." Few things are more frightening than that. Yeah, not that Jeffrey Dahmer-looking motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so finally we get to the to the uh, October thirty-first. At this point, Corey's been kicked out of his house. His yes. mom. Uh, also noticing the behavior shift, I think this is where he slap, where she slaps him, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it happened before, but I know she. There's like a part where she slaps him, and he ends up leaving the house when she kicks him out of the house because of uh, his relationship with Allison. Um, and he ends up moving. He ends up going to uh, to Jeremy's parents' house, who at this point have kind of like left it and no one's bought the house. It's completely abandoned and he's like yes. living there. It's it's now the creepy house that nobody lives in. So like the beginning of this, there uh in the early montage, there's like a newspaper clipping that shows that the that Myers house was bulldozed and like you know demolished after Halloween kills. So mm. now obviously now that that's gone and it's the reason why Michael doesn't go back there. It's the reason why he stays in the sewer or goes somewhere else, right? Because that house does not exist anymore. Um, and now it's like he's so now, uh, he, yeah, he's staying in the house where his, you know, Halloween story basically starts. And like that's where even, Lori confronts him. Like, even to the point where he sleeps on top of the, spy, of the space where Jeremy died. 
Yuck. I was like, oh, that's creepy as fuck, man. Yeah, this guy is absolutely deserves no sympathy. <laughs> no, and uh, you know, and I think leading up to this part, or leading up to, to Halloween Day, we also get that scene where um where we find out Jeremy's dad actually um unlike his, unlike the the Jeremy's mom who blames um Corey like her the dad actually had some sympathy for the kid hmm. and understood it was an accident that led to Jeremy dying and he doesn't blame him and kind of after realizing everything how the town treats him and has kind of turned him into this monster as well he tried to talk to him one day seeing him walking down the street and as he approached him he noted or he mentions that he sees that Corey has lifeless eyes and that whoever that is now is not the same guy that was supposed to take care of his kid that night that his son died um kind of also hammering in the point that you know this isn't Corey anymore this is Corey succumbing to the influence of being around michael now and on october 31st uh cory goes back to the sewers and this is where he has the <laughs> the sweaty greasy sewer fight with michael. <laughs> <laughs> it really it is it is kind of the funniest scene in the movie and in a movie where like there there's there was a lot of like especially that first that 2018 halloween there was a lot of jokes like in that one mm -hmm. and um even kills had like a couple jokes here and there i feel like this movie is largely like devoid of that kind of humor yeah th that is like the one scene i think that really made me laugh and you know what's really funny? Corey and Michael, like, wrestling in the sewer. And what's funny is I'm full-on expecting this to be cool. I'm expecting this to be, like, <clears throat> these two just start throwing haymakers at each other. And I'm expecting Corey to, like, get the upper hand and, like, beat Michael to death here. Or, or something, you know? And I thought they were going to do the cool thing where it's uh, just a one-take shot that as it zooms in through the pipe, you finally see the aftermath after you see all the craziness. And then to see that it's just like a rough-and-tumble wrestling match that you and I had when we were like, you know, eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's, me and Angel put up better fights than this. Yeah, it's very before. uncharacteristic. And the only way I can explain it away is maybe it's just because he's so weak. Um be probably because he's so malnourished <laughs> and probably sick from infections yeah well, I mean, um, what does he eat rats nerd fucking homeless people yeah it's like sure. but it but that's kind of like what the movie's talking about right is that like he's getting weaker and weaker and even mm -hmm. when he even when michael does like kill the cop in the sewer or does like you know the doctor and and the other nurse it's like those are things that he, he he doesn't do it by himself he can't do it by himself in this movie yeah. a lot of the stuff is like it, it's it's with Corey's help so it's again it's it's going into places that i've never seen this franchise go in before mm -hmm. so it's like it works for me even and even the the just hilarity of this of that scene of them like it, it's one of those things that i should hate that I should mm -hmm. that I should severely dislike and and would change my opinion of this movie, but I can't help it. It's funny. It is funny, and I <laughs> like it. <laughs> and I and I want it to be in this. 
So at this point, um, Michael... Corey, Corey does win. And oh, yeah. He gets the shape mask. He gets the disgusting rotted shape mask. Yes. So he puts that on. Um, you know, there's some more arguing between Lori and Allison about their plan about Allison's plan to leave. Um, where Allison continues to blame Lori for all their at for for everything Michael has done and kind of bringing Michael to Haddonfield. Mm. And then that night, Corey goes on a rampage, baby. <laughs> and I will say this. The Corey kill scenes at you know at the junkyard like are good. Like he is brutal. Once he's there and he's you know in the full jumpsuit and mask, it is it's again it's different. It's the same costume, but it's different and it's brutal. And uh I kind of dug how like gnarly it was. <laughs> yeah, they end up going to uh they end up going to the if i remember correctly they go to the shop because um cory had like scratched something into the onto the mm-hmm. hood of the convertible and then so the bullies were going to go and confront cory there thinking he did it and one of them stays in the car uh they're going to like rip his motorcycle apart and suddenly one of them isn't responding and when they go back to the guard they realize it's because the guy has like a piece of rebar shoved through his face yes (laughs) and then from there it yeah from there it's just all crazy he starts like chasing down um he gets into a tow truck and ends up chasing down uh the two girls one of them jumps the fence just in time uh, to get out of the way but the other one stays under mm-hmm. and she gets run over being protected by the fence mm-hmm. um and then uh she's from pinned the- down but yes yeah, she's still alive yeah she's pinned down um and i think the other girl i forget how the other girl up- was dead already i don't i think hers was off screen but she was dead first mm-hmm. and uh it's just like the main bully kid who's like He's the second to last one to die, and he's yeah. the one who gets the blowtorch in the mouth. Fuck. Yeah, he's, like, asking for help from Corey's stepdad. Corey's stepdad gives him a gun and tells him to, like, wait here while he goes and checks. And yes. when he goes and tries to help the girl that's, like, hiding under the... Or the girl that's, like, stuck under the fence, um, this is where Michael Corey... <laughs> <laughs> McCory, if you will. <laughs> but this is where Corey like kind of comes out from the shadows. And the main bully kid ends up firing, thinking he's hitting Corey, and ends up killing Corey's stepdad. Yeah. Which is um, it's, a, it's a sad one because it's, it's a sad because this character was nothing but but uh you know uh affectionate and and like caring to him. He got Corey a job. He got Corey the motorcycle so that he can get to work on time. He was supportive of his relationship with uh, Allison. Like, he was a genuinely a good dude. Mm-hmm. So you get, like, I mean, you don't get satisfaction, but it, you do feel, like, you feel bad for seeing him die. You don't exactly get satisfaction for seeing the bully get killed. Mm-hmm. But he ends up getting blowtorched in the mouth. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of 
the one thing that that it does remind me of is Halloween 2007, which I think is the one really great scene in that movie is young Michael like killing the bully like on, on the day of Halloween, like, you know, when they're leaving the school and he like uses the two by four to beat the shit out of the bully yeah. from school. Uh-huh. Like, you know, where you're like, oh yeah, well this is someone who's just been objectively nasty to you the entire movie. And I absolutely mm-hmm. don't like this character. But then the death is so brutal that like you end up feeling sympathy for the characters like because they are being punished and tortured in such a way. Like that's the- how I felt about this whole like thing. The one that got that I felt most bad for was the girl that was caught under the the chain link fence because mm-hmm. Corey just stomps her head. She in. gets Doctor Sartain. Fuck yeah, dude! And I felt so bad though because she's the only one that actively tried to stand up for Corey. Oh, like well. sucks to suck. <laughs> That's tough. <laughs> that's a joke for you me and like two other people yeah <laughs> oh my god but yeah i can't help but feel bad for her because it feels like she gets it bad for no reason uh next thing radio dj that nobody cares about uh he gets it in one of the really like he gets it in a really gnarly way too Mm. um oh and then there's a scene you know at the radio station for those of us who watch you know the last drive-in which i do um Mm. and other people listen to this podcast might uh you know darcy the mail girl who is Mm -hmm. uh part of that series she is the receptionist oh that's at the radio station yeah Nice. Um, she just which is cool because like she she had posted on twitter that i think uh she thought her scene may have been cut Mm-hmm. from the from uh from the actual movie but uh so i was expecting it to be cut because she i saw her post on twitter but mm-hmm. then i saw the movie i was like oh no there she is that's her so um yeah she she's there she gets murked and then so <laughs> does the radio dj in a brutal fashion i he gets his face smashed into the turntable his tongue ends up getting like cut out <laughs> and like thrown on a on the on the record that's currently playing Mm -hmm. so it's cool that as allison's listening to the radio she hears the skip because it's the needle going over the tongue until (laughs) finally it just all falls apart and you just hear like the chaos um yeah so the the, those are the from there then we get we we finally cut back to Lori, and Lori is like you know calling the police to report a suicide Mm -hmm. and basically she is like drinking again she has fully relapsed back into drinking and uh they did get me here because i i knew that there was something else that was going to be coming between her and michael but i thought there was a chance that maybe the trailer misdirected us and you know that that maybe it wasn't the, the climax wasn't going to include her much at all mm-hmm. but no I had it's... a feeling she was planning something like with all this like i didn't really get what exactly she was planning like i got i got her assuming michael was already going to be in the house mm-hmm. um but yeah like it turns out that she was doing like the reason why she called was so that because she knew hawkins would get the call and that hawkins would call allison um to get her to come back to the house like i didn't think that was gonna happen but i figured that she was this was a kind of in preparation of trying to give her the the chance to beat michael uh mm-hmm. once and for all 
and it works because you know you see her manuscript for her uh you see the manuscript for her memoirs which is called stalkers saviors and sam hain finally right. i found the title <laughs> i hate that title but okay shut up it's not a bad <laughs> title it's corny like, well, but all right yours would be fucking sucks and <laughs> you done <laughs> Shut Probably up! Quit, quit, quit before you embarrass yourself. Yours is IT. Yours is dank memes and IT dreams. The All Angel right. Figueroa story. Okay. Of suck. All right. <laughs> I hate that you sandbag me. <laughs> I'm not gonna let you insult me because you made a terrible. You, I hate you and everything you stand for. <laughs> Go so, back to your liberal agenda. So yeah, it's like she's she's pointing the gun to her head, and you really think that she's gonna end up offing herself. And then next thing you know, you see the shape walking up the stairs, and um the gun goes off, you hear wet splatter, and when he goes into the room, you see that a pumpkin had been shot to yeah. which she then we get the gotcha the- scene, which we've gotten in each one of these uh, three movies. And you we get got the Judy awesome Greer the first two she's... times, and then uh it's Jamie Lee Curtis here. Yeah, you you she gets the awesome line of do you really think I was gonna kill myself, motherfucker? <laughs> and then she ends up unloading like four rounds right into his chest. Yep. And be you know, lo and behold, it's not you know, it, who is it? It is it is young shape, not mm-hmm. the older version. Um, and you know, we get down to the stairs, you know, near the front door, and uh, that's when you find out it's Corey who's in the shape mask. And um, here we go. This this ending scene, I think, is awesome. I think from here, from the, from the junkyard to the rest to the end of the movie, I think this movie is operating at at such a high level because here you get the scene of her like you know talking about how he's going to keep you know him away from Allison, like the same kind of stuff that they talked about before. But you know, Corey obviously like says, "Oh well, you know." he he brings it back to the if i can't have her no one else will and surprise he's the one that ends up offing himself <laughs> and uh basically does it as like an fu to to lori um, knowing so, that the knife is going to be in lori's hand so when yeah. allison does see her she's going to think that he that uh she killed him right I hated that. I hate how dumb Allison is in this part. <laughs> I yeah, I agree. I, I don't the reaction that that she got, but thankfully they don't they don't spend too much time on this. Like she does get away, but thankfully like she will she will end up turning around and coming right back anyway. Um, Be, yeah, because at this point, like you see the Michael mask right next to Corey too. Like, I don't get how she wasn't able to put two and two together. I guess you can say Michael Myers magic that the curse, his curse is also affecting her and blinding her. And or maybe she just thinks that Lori's a monster and that Lori is basically doing this as a setup, or maybe she just was dignitized. And now that I mean, she did sleep with him, so that's not out of the realm of possibility. And maybe she thought that nerdy dick was good, and then it, and now that he's dead, she's like, oh, I can move on. I mean, in this franchise, now that they've removed the brother and sister relationship from Michael and Lori, 
you probably are left to assume that like you know they even make a, a the, the friend oscar like mentioned that he goes you ever wanted someone and you just couldn't have her and like you know to, to michael who he thinks is the neighbor in the first movie like yeah. hey it's like Corey is living out all of michael's fantasies <laughs> yeah pretty much um but you know all right anyway moving on um yeah this leads to michael confronting well, allison Lori. leaves so it oh, well, leaves Lori alone no. yeah yeah sorry but yeah so after allison leaves michael confronts um uh i was about to say <laughs> allison confronts Lori. he arrives puts on his mask and finishes off Corey, and then he ends up getting in this like prolonged struggle with Lori, where they're like hitting each other with everything they can find in the kitchen Lori's getting thrown all over the place there's a really interesting um there's like the, at the beginning of the fight it's really interesting because um someone i remember and someone pointed out it might have been that same tiktoker i was talking about earlier how in the scene where like before the fight uh Lori is like hiding in this kind of like pantry closet area very mimicking in 1978 halloween where uh she's hiding for fear of her life and uh doing it for survival uh but in this one it's all it's still a struggle for survival but now it's more that she's trying to real um trying to reel michael in so that she can gain the upper hand in, in a fight so it's more it's less her being passive and her more taking that active uh the active role yes to, um, i love this this defending is the- yourself this is the most evenly matched that Laurie and Michael have ever felt in a Halloween movie ever. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's typically, and I think they, they try the, the closest they've ever gotten to this before. I'm going to say is that early part of Halloween resurrection where Laurie like is the, I'm not afraid of you anymore, but are you afraid mm-hmm. of me? Like, you know, that's like the one time where it feels like Laurie finally has turned it, you know, has turned it around on him. Mm-hmm. And like, that's, that's what I feel in this, in this one, except this is like in a much better movie. So I can enjoy it a lot more than I did in resurrection. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Will it hit the highs of H2O? I don't know. You know, but I think it's close, and and in some ways, even though the ending and that 2018 Halloween movie is almost perfect, like this one isn't like that. It's a lot more disjointed. It feels a lot more like three different movies, like all being forced into one. But it's still a satisfying end, and I know that a lot of people won't find it that way. But this is a part of the movie where I think it gets genuinely surprising, and that's. You know, Michael gets pinned down by like all the kitchen knives and the refrigerator. And, you know, the combination of that and him being more weak, uh, Lori is basically just telling him, you know, I've tried all this. I've tried to run away from you. I've tried to forgive you. I've tried, you know, saying this, this and that about you. But, you know, all I know is that you're not a monster. You're not the boogeyman. You're just a guy who's gonna stop breathing and she like slits his throat mm-hmm. <laughs> and she starts up, and she ends up slitting his wrist later too like well, she slits his throat he still tries to choke her manages yes. to break his arm free chokes her um, mangled hand yes. yeah because he ends up like ripping his hand off of the knife and like he has this weird fork split hand now mm-hmm. and as he's choking Lori. Allison comes up, grabs his hand, and like breaks part of his like arm off. Yes, 
<laughs> which again, it's like, yes, it's, it's dumb that they made her get away, but at least she came right back. She knows she knows what she has to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, yeah, she feels like a lot more like an active character in this as opposed to that 2018 movie. They in the up, end, in terms of the fight. They end up turning Michael into a fucking knife pin cushion, just like starts stabbing him, slit his wrists, and then finally he bleeds out. Yes. Um, from then, there. Because Lori called in a suicide. Uh, well, Lori calling in a suicide is what made Hawkins call um, Allison. Mm. And I guess Allison is probably left to believe that he reported Corey's suicide. And, uh, you know, which is why she comes back, you know, for whatever reason, it, it's what brings her back. It says, OK, well, Lori isn't the one who's responsible. It's, maybe it was him. And that's when obviously she sees it as Michael. So Michael's probably the one who's responsible. Mm. Um, and it's like, yeah, it's like one stage she goes, oh, she goes, he's dead. And uh, I do like when Allison says not dead enough. <laughs> and then Hawkins shows up in the house. And that's where we get like. This is it. Like, this is the moment where I mm-hmm. was like, all right, I think that this is a better death that he gets than what he got in H2O. I just, mm-hmm. I do, I do, because in H2O, like, it was the shock of the moment where his head gets like chopped off with, and it's so sudden and it's just such a like triumphant ending. But mm-hmm. in this one, I think it's, it, it fits the, it, it fits the theme of this trilogy that he would die in this way it's like all right well now we got him and now everyone who's had to live with it like including all the characters including our old friend julian who we have not seen since young king julian i love to see you back i'm glad he's back i'm glad he's back to you know to to watch sweet revenge for his uh babysitter from four years ago you see Um, sandra the woman that had the light bulb shoved in her mm -hmm. uh, neck her sister like takes her she's a part of this procession that just follows the stones they literally Um, strap him to the top of allison's car mm -hmm. and uh, even the police are basically it's basically like a motorcade (laughs) it's like being leading his dead body to this uh giant industrial shredder on the outskirts of town and then you got uh, the gotham cop that's like but what about law and order are we supposed to always supposed to like and the sheriff who like barely has done anything in the scene like the one thing that i will say is that like i what i liked about the earlier halloween sequels especially Mm -hmm. when loomis was around is that like it it was one of those like rare cases where like it would always be loomis and the sheriff's department so it's like anytime that loomis and the sheriff's department were nearby you knew that your main character was safe yeah <laughs> or about as safe much. as they could get so it's like in this one it, the cops have been largely disregarded and hawkins has shown it's like a very flawed you know police officer who's probably not even on the force anymore he's probably retired at this point but you know i do like that the sheriff who basically in the first uh, 2018 movie was uh kind of didn't really believe or didn't want to believe Hawkins about Michael being free in Haddonfield. I do mm-hmm. like that in this when they're talking about how this isn't right and they shouldn't do it this way. Or this isn't right and or this isn't how we do it. I do like that he just goes it is tonight. I know. <laughs> and he's and the only like, thing what started, is it. The only thing better is if someone just would have started a very catchy chant like what if evil ends now or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But um 
All I can think of, I don't know why it felt like such a dark night moment. I just expected it. It does. Like, it feels that's what I mean. It's like this is the part of it, a dark night moment. Where Lori he just or goes even that's... like an endgame moment. Like this, this is one of those, like, you know, or even the Spider-Man, like, you know, no way home ending. It's just it, it's endings of consequence, you know. It's like <laughs> it's it's after this happens, which is they go to this uh, you know, this industrial shredder and they throw Michael Lori dumps Michael's body into it, and he is just ground up into ground beef like it's just it's just funny because it like explodes yes into red mist and just the entire time i'm expecting the sheriff to just be like she's our dog protector <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's like so he's gone now and then she's writing the mem. she's finishing the memoir and you know allison is leaving town now finally leaving haddonfield um once and for all like it again it feels like stakes it feels like this is the chapter that fundamentally changes the franchise it's the end for jamie lee curtis i actually thought she was gonna die at the end of this movie so i, mm-hmm. I was very surprised that, that the movie ends and she ends up living i'm glad that it happens that way um and it really does feel like a satisfying ending for her um yeah because it leaves you it leaves her essentially staying in um staying in Haddonfield and like continuing that romance with Hawkins and it's it's interesting because by the end of this movie she kind of she kind of picks up where 1978 Lori like ended off you know and it kind of and it only and it took her you know 40 50 years to finally put that trauma behind her and that experience but it's like now she's finally committed to like living a full life you know yes and that's the end of the movie and that's the end of it for david gordon green because now he's gonna go off and do an exorcist reboot trilogy oh great (laughs) i can't wait for the first one to be really good and the next two to be mid i'm gonna say i'm very excited to see what david gordon green's exorcist reboot is gonna be like i'm very excited for that so we are saying goodbye to haddonfield um and you know maybe you know maybe the shape returns in a new form uh and they would do decide to continue it honestly i think this is a really good ending uh for for lori and michael's story i'd never want to see these characters again i would like to just see if they're going to start over just start over do something else with Mm -hmm. different characters you can use the same name this is your out now that tells you that it doesn't have to be michael myers it can be somebody else so Hopefully they do take that advice if they continue this franchise. And I guess the only question left now is, Javi, do you like Halloween ends? Uh, no, I still don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think this movie does a lot. It, 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 I'll give this movie a lot of credit and then it tries to make a lot. It tries to take a lot of chances and it tries to do a lot of things uh, that are different um it gives you a new villain and it tries to deposit that not every villain in this franchise has to be michael myers um it gives you a really good sense of closure for these characters no matter how fucking outlandish that closure looks Mm. i mean major shout out to the props department literally running just a bag of meat through an industrial shredder it looked really cool the way his like body just kind of caved in Mm -hmm. but um ultimately like 
it was just the movie doesn't do enough to explain what's going on and mm-hmm. i'm not a huge fan of the weird sudden character shift on Corey from when we meet him to where to him like don't get me wrong i don't hate the arc of him becoming the new michael mm-hmm. i just hate like i'm not a huge fan of the writing and the lines they gave him that got us there i felt like the characterization could have been done differently i hate the sudden shift from allison to where she's just like where she's just like yeah it, it, it's really padme and anakin mm-hmm. <laughs> where she's just like oh no i love you and we're gonna bring this place down together and it's like you guys are in your 20s i get it you've been through trauma you've done some fucked up shit but come on now and it's just um it's angsty it's all this all this angsty love it's full of cringy angsty love and i think maybe that's what it is is that i haven't i don't live in that part of cringe topia anymore yeah but I mean, like like I said, there are things I like. Uh, I like the I like the ending for um, for Lori. I think it's you get the first final go- girl, one of the original final girls, and she finally gets like a very satisfying ending to her story, which is something we don't get. You know, it's something we don't see. Um, so it's cool to finally see her get that closure and kind of end that chapter of the Lori, the Lori v. Michael saga. Um, but yeah, I mean, there the weird there's like weird editing choices too. Like I'm the weird clip show parts kind of take me out of the movie. I don't know. Maybe I need to sit with it more, but at least as of right now, yeah, I don't like it too much. All right, and I'm going to say that I actually do like it. Surprise, surprise. I'm three for three on this series. Uh, I like the original. The, 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 that 2018 Halloween, you know, sequel is the best. Um, Halloween Kills, not as good. I think this one's better. This one's better than Halloween Kills. Um, and I, much like you, I appreciate the fact that they swung for it and they went for something that they don't normally go for. I do agree with you as well that there's stuff that doesn't work. The dialogue is pretty cringy at times. And it's just the writing isn't as good as it should be. And I think one of the main problems in this movie is they feel like they tried to tell too many different stories at once. Because it's like, look at us. Like we spend so much time talking about Corey and like him as the character of the movie. And yet we spend all this time at the end talking about Lori and Michael. And it's just, it, it, it's, it's, it's too much Corey. And then by the end of it, the fact that it's all just Lori and Michael, it just mm-hmm. feels really weird. Like it, it feels like it either should have been the core, like the Lori and Michael ending movie, or it needed to be the Corey story. You know, or like it needed to be something like, I hate to reference this as something it should have been like, but maybe it should have been something like Halloween Resurrection, where it's like the first half of it is all Laurie and Michael, and then the second half of it is its own story, and now you're moving on into something else. Um, I think there's something to that. I think maybe if they would have rewritten Halloween Kills and this a little bit differently where then the you know halloween kills incorporates the end of michael 
and plants the seeds for the beginning of uh right yeah i feel like the the lori and michael fight probably would have been a great uh uh you know epilogue to the um to halloween kills because it's it's the part of this movie that feels the most like that movie because the town getting murked by michael only for like in the last third of the movie to finally get revenge and for lori to finally get that closure but say somewhere along that massacre um michael influenced yeah Corey, and then we see that progression at the beginning of Hall- of halloween ends and then you see him become the new michael yeah i think would have actually been the way bit- you rewrote this trilogy really is better than what we got in this but <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, again amy hollywood but again like i said it's again i i understand it's very flawed i know there's a lot of problems with it and i know a lot of people are not going to like it and it is very going to be very divisive uh but yeah i, I enjoyed it i enjoyed it and um I'm glad we did get this franchise. It was nice to finally get new movies in this franchise again. You know, it's the same feeling I got when Star Wars came back for a trilogy. It's like, no matter how I felt about those new movies, it was exciting getting new movies in that franchise again. You know, uh, it's just like, I do like, you know, the revival of stuff I liked watching growing up. And um, yeah, as I said, you know, I I liked it. Uh, Maybe I'll feel different about it in a year, like it more or less. But uh, I definitely enjoyed this trilogy and I do feel like it was worth revisiting. Um, And again, like I said before, I'll see what David Gordon Green does next. And I'm glad that he's going to try to do something else in the horror realm before Mm -hmm. he departs to something completely in a different genre. As long as the next, as long as the last two have the same quality as the first one, I'm going to be happy. All right, so we'd like to thank you guys for joining us for this episode of the show. Um, really appreciate you guys uh, interacting interacting with us on social media. Uh, please uh, leave us reviews on iTunes uh, and rate the show on iTunes uh, on the Apple Podcast iTunes. iTunes doesn't exist, but you know the Apple Podcast app. And, Wait, uh, iTunes is gone. And also, like, uh, try to you know leave us a a rating on Spotify if you can. These things help. Uh, raise the awareness of the show so that we can broaden our listener base and uh yeah we hope you guys are enjoying uh you know us returning to trying to be on more of a regular podcasting schedule and uh, mm-hmm. we're approaching the halloween holiday so i'm definitely excited to f- do two more episodes of halloween content um before we move into november there are two more days till Halloween. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you guys next time. All right. Later, y'all.